And let's take our Bibles and uh, let's turn to the book of Daniel once again. <clears throat> Today we find ourselves in Daniel uh, chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. And uh, Happy New Year to you all. Daniel chapter 6, and we'll read the chapter together, beginning now at verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the Governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows, being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days... Save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. They answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said, un, said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king commanded, they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, passed the night fasting, neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning, went in haste unto the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, and the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. 
My God hath sent his angel, and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. Forasmuch as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no matter of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. The king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, their children, their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them, and broke all their bones in pieces, or ever they came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages, that dwell in all of the earth, peace be multiplied upon you. I make a decree, that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in the heaven and in the earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word. Let us just pause for prayer prior to our study this afternoon. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for a new year that you've brought us into. Father, we thank you for all of the things that you've brought us through in the past year. There may be, obviously, have been times of difficulty, of trials, of situations that we couldn't even imagine have taken place. But Father, may it drive us closer to you. Regardless of circumstances or consequence, Father, may we take a same avenue that Daniel consistently and steadfastly remained in the center of your will. Father, we'd pray as we take these words that we've spoken, that you kept all of these years through the pen of Daniel. It's before us, Father. The timelessness of your word and truth is amazing. We would ask that the Holy Spirit would exclusively be our teacher this afternoon and that, Father, our lives, our hearts, everything about us would be changed to become more of what you want us to be. As you've described in Romans chapter 8, that it is your really per, your, your personal will, Father, that we would be conformed, that is to become like your Son, Jesus Christ, more and more like him every single minute. Father, that can only be accomplished through us studying and adhering to the word letting the Holy Spirit work within us from the power of the Word. And again, we'd ask for the Spirit to guide and direct us. We lean upon you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, Daniel chapter 6 actually is uh, probably pretty close to the end of Daniel's life. He's thought to be probably in his upper 80s. And a lot of things have happened. He's actually on his, on his second what should I say, regime. He had spent uh, a good deal of his life under the Babylonian rule. And now, uh, last week we found ourselves in Belshazzar, the falling on that one day, the one night, literally where Belshazzar's kingdom came to an abrupt end. He was literally killed. Boom, just like that, it was over. And the Medes and Persians, which we've went now, that vision that Nebuchadnezzar had of this statue, if you will, the, the, the head of gold, that being the Babylon uh, Empire, and then moving down into now what's taken place is the Medes and the Persians, uh, the, the chest and the two arms. And you can see some sense even, can't you, of the, of the demise, if you will, of that single 
monarchy of Nebuchadnezzar, it's amazing how much stuff he handled by himself. It really was. He was in charge, totally and completely. Now, you've noticed even in verse 1 of, whoops, I'm in the wrong chapter, chapter 6, it tells us that this king, we'll be talking about Darius in a moment, but that this new kingdom, if you will, that it was his desire to set up 120 princes, it describes for us, through, and that would be like territorial leaders. It would even be a bit above a governor, uh, because they're listed later as being in conjunction of this plot against Daniel's life. But these territorial leaders, 120 of them through the entire kingdom, and then over the top of those would be the only place it's listed in Scripture, the word is used, president, or that of a chief. So and it, if you notice in, in, verse, uh, in verse 2 it says, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, and it could just mean right there that he was one that the princes might give accounts unto them, the three presidents, the chiefs, and the king should have no damage. Well, one of the things that, you know, it's amazing that not only in 2020, in America or anywhere across the world is corruption uh, very prominent or prevalent. It was very prevalent back then as well. Uh, You can see the intrigue and the levels of jealousy and envy and all of the power grabbing that was taking place here. Everybody was against Daniel. We'll be uncovering that in a moment. But literally to see that this, this king, again, a Gentile, non-Christian, and I'm saying that I should say a, non, a non-true God follower. How about, how about that? Uh, and this man still sees the incredible integrity in this man, Daniel. It just sticks out. In fact, it says an excellent spirit. We'll be talking about that in a moment as well. But he's already determined now of setting up this 120 princes and three presidents, of which Daniel was one. He's going to take him and make him the overall guy to go to. Why? Because he could trust him. And that's one thing that you can just see from the whole written part of it. How much money or how much property was being stolen from the kingdom and being used in whatever means. And we find that today, quite honestly. You, talk, you think of the U.S. and the China relations and all of that amongst the intrigue that's taking place there. All of the corruption, it's amazing to me. We will find, I, I can't get down this line because I want to stay on track with our Bible lesson today. But at the end, one week from today, I think you will see some things that will be amazing to us. The times in which we live are outrageously paramount in the sense of evil and good. And that's what we can't wait for, right? I, this one of the things that I can't wait for is for justice to be served, for evil to be cast out, and for good to be elevated. That's just part of who we are if we're a Christian and we're following God. That's, that's part of what we desire. And our nation has been so enveloped within corruption to its deepest core, that's what's missing. We're compromised at the very highest levels of those uh, DOJ and the CIA and the FBI, to name just three. And again, I promise I wouldn't go too dark, far down that. But you know what? It's, isn't it amazing how relevant the Bible is? This is about five... 37, 538 B.C. You do the math. That's 2,600 years ago. Humans are so predictable. Just as the first temptation that Satan ever used with on Eve was to make her want to be like God. The same thing sells today. Because later it's all about self-assertion and self-interest. At any rate, this is very late in Daniel's life. And it would be very much the same. It would play out really well. You could do a movie that would fit 2020. This would be called Daniel Gate. What can we find out on this guy? We've got to get to him because, again, it's interesting. As prominence 
and promotion come from God, mark this well, envy will follow close behind. That's a fact of life. It happens that way. Not just in our country today. It happened back then. And literally, they don't want... And isn't it amazing? Wouldn't you want an individual that you could trust, that you could count on, he was steadfast in integrity and character, wouldn't you want him to be at the top? But not, but certainly not if they want to take a part of the pie, right? It's exactly what's happening in the United States of America today and across the globe. I'm not, you know, U.S. is not the only one with problems. The U.K., I've been listening with intent. In the middle of the night, it's harder to find truth than ever before. I mean, I'm spending more time now looking and seeking out truth than I've ever done in my life. The major media is, if you're, if you're watching television for news, turn it off. You can't get anything there. I'm venturing down an avenue I didn't want to go too far down again. But, but again, where did, you find, where, did, where, did, where did you find truth? There was no truth. In fact, you find lies and fabrications through this entire documentation in Daniel chapter 6. They all got together, except Daniel, and they're looking for any possible dirt on this guy. I mean, anything, any collusion. I could use words that are very fitting for today as well. They're looking for anything because he's 90. He's probably close. To, I should say probably upper 80s. He's got to have done something because literally he's been engaged in government and political uh, maneuvering from the time he was chapter 1, probably 14. He had risen to a high level in, Bab- in Babylon's court under Nebuchadnezzar. He's got to have done something somewhere. Just think of that. They would have probably bugged. I don't know how they would do that. But you understand, every, every level of surveillance would have been uncovered and, and brought into. They would have had probably interviews with those that would have been very effective with him in the Babylonian. I, again, I marvel at this. I just totally marvel at this. These are two different... These, this isn't administrations. Let me mark that well. This is two different world empires of which Daniel just, by trusting in God, moves from one realm into the next, which actually gives us a great deal of confidence today. Do you know there's nothing that can happen to us as Christians that God isn't fully and completely in charge of, and it's for our good and his glory. He promises that. Romans chapter 8. What are we fair afraid of? Good question, isn't it? How about Daniel? Apparently, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead for just a moment. We'll come right back. because we Zooming through this a couple times, there's nothing wrong with that. Daniel remained consistent. Now, I would have to say that he probably didn't savor the thought of being cast into a den of lions. And there's not two or three. This is a huge amount of kitties. Because if you noticed, the ones that accused him, way later in the chapter, they are thrown in. And before they hit the bottom of the den, they are done. That's more than two or three cats. That's a group of hungry lions. Now, he probably doesn't relish that thought. But to him, this is one of the things that makes him very special. He never got caught up in the times in which he lived or the issues which were surrounding him. He was above and beyond and always looking for the kingdom of God. When we as Christians keep that in mind, when we are beyond where we live and the issues that surround us, and we look totally and completely about the kingdom of God, there's nothing to fear. It was a no-lose situation because he's either going to be in the presence of God, 
if God chooses not to protect. And, and I, I, don't, I don't even want to use that word because there's nowhere that he's not protected. Think with me carefully now. We see physical death as being a separation, which it is, but it's never a separation from God if we're his. That's really cool because eternity is beyond time. It's outside of this separation of life, if you will, physically. He was protected no matter what happened. And that's what made Daniel so incredibly invincible to those that wanted to plot against his life. And it'll be the same for us. Fear becomes a thing of the past. Because if we fear God, there's nothing else to fear. There wasn't anybody of those 122. There was 122, really, because there was two other presidents and 120 satraps or princes. And they got together and they're, I mean, think about it. Think about the, the density of evil right here, right? It's 122 against one. Now that's corruption, people. And then, now, some of you would think would back off. You know, this guy is clean as a whistle. I've never seen a guy this clean. He's, he's squeaky clean. You can count on him. And then they had this brilliant idea because that's what they found. The only way they were going to get him was in his relationship with his God. He could be counted on. They knew it. They knew that he was so consistent in his relationship with God. They were positive. We can nail this guy to the wall. As long as we figure out how to make a plot that will basically convict him. Because he is going to have a relationship with God no matter what he has. We have history. We can see this. There's There's just no wavering in this guy. Uh, promotions bring plots. Let's take a look at envy for a moment. Uh, it's, it's, it's front and center. And it's with us today as well. Let's go to Proverbs. Go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 27. And verse 4. Proverbs, chapter 27. And verse 4. The Word of God has this to say about envy. Uh, Proverbs 27, 4 says, Wrath is cruel. And anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? Now think of that. In those three, envy is like over the top. And I'm sure that everyone in this room here has felt the effects of envy. Oh, it's painful, isn't it? The toxicity, the toxic uh, relation, the the, the toxic, I would just say, the, the environment that comes as a result of envy is, it's outrageous, isn't it? It's there to hurt, to maim, to hurt, and to steal, quite honestly. Well, when there's envy, there's also lies. They come together. They, 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 they're not separate. They come together. Where there's envy, there's going to be lies. We see, in fact, uh, that as these nations come and nations go. In fact, let's, in regards to that, it's interesting. As, as, as Daniel, you, you've never, you just don't see this guy concerned, do you? Now, when Belshazzar on that day, when he predicted very, within hours of this thing happening, where the Babylonian Empire would collapse and crumble, and Belshazzar's last breath would be taken within hours, he got it right. Now, if you were Daniel for a moment, and you're like a leader, a top-notch guy in the Babylonian Empire, wouldn't you think you're in danger? It doesn't matter to him. Because God is outside of nations or peoples or kings or princes or whatever. Do you, see, do you see the strength in that? When we really fear God, there's nothing else to fear. Now, we have to remind ourselves of that regularly, right, don't we? Because the issues and all of the societal pressures continue to crowd around us and make us nervous and upset. 
because there's a lot of other people that are fearful. I mean, as you go through this story even, there's people that were fearing the fact of what Daniel would do if he was over the top of them. Would he expose them? Now think of this guy's 90. He knows a lot of stuff. Always, you know, he's always very wise and very discretionary. You don't see him loud-mouthing at all. There's no pride going on. He's under, he's under wraps at all times. They were afraid of him, though. They were. You, you can see it. Why would they take such measures as to get rid of him? They were delighted. You can see this as we go on in our text today. Nations come and nations go. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. Let's look at how Isaiah describes this. Now, it's interesting as we're doing that, I'm thinking of just a, a parallel for us. What, what do we like? Why, why do you like, uh, and we even enjoy telling the story of Daniel in the lion's den. We do, don't we? We like telling the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story in the furnace, the fiery furnace, right? Why? Why do we, why do we like those stories? And I'm saying stories that they're true. I'm not saying that they're fabricated in any way or made up. No, these are actual, documented, true statements because they're in God's Word. And if you don't believe God's Word, that's the place you have to start. Because everything is based upon the Bible, the Word of God. Those 66 books that were written by 40 different authors over the period of 1,500 years. You try that on sometime. Anybody that denies the Bible, the Word of God, just lay that out as specifications. It's impossible apart from God literally getting it done. But that's where we start, that's where we go. But why do we like those stories? What is it about that that makes them powerful to us? The good guy wins. I mean, who likes to watch any kind of a program or read any kind of a book and evil prevails? None of us. None of us. And ultimately, that's what's really cool. You turn to the back of Revelation. God, who is outside of time, to him, as it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, 8 and 9, to him, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is just one day. How many of you planning on living a thousand years? <laughs> That's almost overwhelming in itself to think of that. You know, you think of some of those, what I would call the very early fathers. You take Adam and Methuselah. He was the oldest one. How many years did he live? Just a little pop quiz. I'm waiting. We won't go on until we really get this right. So you're close, but not quite. I think that's actually Adam was 930 years, but... Oh, we're so close. We're so, I'm going to give credit. It was 969. Now, the thing that's really cool is, do you know, some of you may not know, and we're getting way off base here, but Methuselah died the year the flood came. It was like God took him home, and then the flood came. It's amazing how persevering and long-suffering <clears throat> that God is in regards to us. Noah... Who it, and and Dan, there's three guys that are described. I don't have the text. It's not, it's not coming to me. It's in Isaiah somewhere. Isaiah compared three men together. Daniel, Job, and Noah. Those three men, what's, what's significant about those three guys? Man, did they live continuous steadfastness. Noah's building on that ark for 120 years, waiting for men to come back to him. Now, I'm also going to give credit to Mrs. Noah. Can you imagine an unfinished project on the front yard of 120 years, and you don't even know what it is? Your husband says it's an ark. What do we need that for, honey? What do we need that for? God told me to build it, and I'm going to keep on building it. And he did. And he kept witness. He kept His testimony continued to live on that there's an end coming, and there's going to be a flood that will con- completely engage the entire world. And if you don't come to God, you're going to be drowned. 
Uh, he is nuts, right? I mean, I mean, what do you think Noah was thought of in the local newspapers? Weirdo down there on Flood Avenue is building an ark, right? What you can feel the narratives, right? Think of Job. That's known as what? The patience of Job, long-suffering. Daniel's life is very much the same. I think that's really unique how Isaiah states that. Those three guys are stated together. To be in one another's company, first of all, is outrageous. But to think of that. In the, and that, that's really what this is about here today. Is not being landing in the lion's den. Why did he get there? That's what's important. What got him there? And could have he avoided it? Yes, he could have. There's a lot of places today that you, I'm thinking in the next few years, standing firm, drawing a line, and remaining true to God, there will be quote-unquote lion's dens that will be out there. Now, this, you've, just the statement of that, this, was, this, this wasn't a lion's den that was created for this 30 days to be God, for Darius to be God. This was, this was a continuum of how you dealt with people that you wanted to execute. This was their way of dealing with them. They'd be thrown into the, not a, the den of lions. That sounds, doesn't that have a nasty ring to it? And of course they didn't feed them very well. Of course they didn't. They wanted them hungry. That's what somebody has said. Well, they were just old lions and they weren't hungry when Daniel fell in and he wasn't eaten. That, that's what the liberal theologians say. Oh, they were just old lions that weren't hungry. Oh, really? What happened at the end of the chapter then? Was that a new set of lions? No, it's the same bunch. I'm getting off track. Where were we at? I got, I got down another branch. I've never done that before, but thanks for being patient there. Um, Isaiah. Isaiah 40. There we go. Thank you. Well, let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. Let's look how God looks at the sense of nations. Verse 15. Well, actually starting in verses 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Now that, that's when you, when you put re- reality on the real important stuff, isn't it amazing? And, and you know, you can have a hot wind, particularly in, we have, in southwestern Montana where a lot of this is just really poor soil. I mean, you can have a hot wind in 48 hours. You know, they say a drought's a week away. I've seen it where it's two days away. You can be wet and zoom, and all of a sudden everything's withering and dying. Literally, that is the same sense of people and nations in consistency with the eternal nature of who God is. Now let's go down to verse 15. Same chapter, chapter 40 of Isaiah. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. That's amazing, isn't it? Quite honestly to consider Babylon to to God is but a drop in the bucket. The Medes and Persians were a drop in the bucket. The Greek Empire was a drop in the bucket. The Roman Empire, which is still really has not been defeated, it's just fallen within, has become weakened, and it will arise to some sense of level again as we get closer to the end here. It's a drop in the bucket because God is so, more, so far supreme over all of that. He rules in history. God protects his own. So we saw the promotion. That is that Daniel was going to be exalted, if you will, to be the overall president, the overall chief, because he was preferred. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 6. That's how it's described. He had an excellent spirit in him, and he was preferred. Verse verse 3. Uh, one thing we might say a little bit about is uh, this: the term that's used, Darius, we find it in a number of places. 
And uh, not that I can speak with absolute authority, but one of the things that's been troubling is in this time frame to find a King Darius or a, a, a leader by the name of Darius, exclusive that's his name, is, is not appropriate. It's, you, you can't find it for this time frame in 538 uh, to 537 B.C. It's not there. But it is interesting that it, there's a couple of ways to look at it, one of which um, there was a guy by the name of Guberu, which was the leader of the Babylon district, if you will. Okay? And it's thought that he would have been described as this leader of this quote-unquote empire. But Darius is a term that actually was affixed to five different Mede and Persian kings, which would tell us it's very much similar to the use of Pharaoh, Caesar. It's the sense of royalty or to be a special appointed or, or what's the right word, Uh, an uplifted one, a a ruler. So if you look at the last verse here in in chapter 6, verse 28, it talks, it says it this way. Now in the Aramaic, you could actually have the and become even. So let me read it that way. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, even in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Now, Aramaic, you can read it that way. It could be that way. I'm, I'm myself, I'm not trying to convince you, but myself, because looking at, let's look at the verse 1 back in chapter 6. Please, Darius, again, I see that as a, as a title, it's not a name, to set over the kingdom, the kingdom, 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. You see, I think this is actually a picture of Cyrus. He's just called Darius as being that exalted one. Because it's much too expansive in the sense of the territory that's being governed. Now, you can, you uh, you know, come about it how you'd like. But for me to find five different uh, Persian rulers being described, all of them as Darius, uh, to me it would look like that it would be more of a title than a name. As we go on, we go from the promotion to the plot. To the plot. As Daniel is talked about of being promoted and lifting up in prominence, as usual, envy will follow close behind success. They found no skeletons. We talked about that. And they talked about, I'm sure, different areas of which they may be able to find something and Always came up short. There's two words that you find uh, in, in verse 4. Let's read that together again. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault. That word occasion or fault in the sense of no fault is corruption. That's really what the word means, and it's the sense of uh, committing something, an act of commission. In other words, you've done something that you shouldn't do. Now, it also follows up the next word as you see the word fault. Or error, no error or fault. That would have to do with no neglect. In other words, you're supposed to do something, but you don't do it. On either side of that, commission or omission, Daniel is innocent. And that's amazing. I I still find that as being, wow, at that age, for him to be that clear-cut is amazing. Of course, the reason for that being was that he was sold out to God. He didn't sell to the Chinese. He didn't sell out to... You, go, you see where I'm going, the Egyptians or whatever it might be, or the Babylonians or the Medes. He didn't sell anybody out because he was sold out completely to God. He was totally committed, totally owned by God. Now, with that in mind, then they said, 
we're not going to get anything on this guy, verse 5, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God, capital G. It was well known. If you were going to talk about Daniel in just the circles, what do you guys know about Daniel? Have you ever heard about what You know this Daniel guy, this guy that was, did you see that? Even in the end, they accused that Daniel that came from Judah. That's been 80 years ago, people, or 70 years ago. He's still, that's a stigma. They're just continual. Oh, yeah, that Daniel that came from the captives of the Judah, of, of the Israelites, right? What would they say about Daniel? Well, you know, you can really trust that guy. You can trust that guy. And one thing we know for sure, he really, really trusts his God. You've seen that from day one, right? Shows up. He's, he's, on, he's on top of God all the time. He's right there. Well, to have a plot thicken, you have, to have, you have to have some lies go with it. So it says in verse 6, The presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. Now, that word assembled actually is, is the word that's there is tumultuous. In other words, think carefully with me. So you've got, a, let's, let's assume that all 122 show up. And they just dive in on the king. So what is 122 people that are just kind of like a rabble-rouser group? It just shows up in the king and they stop, spout off. Do you see that? Because one of the things that would bother, see, I've been bothered by that over the years, but that word is interesting. It's the word tumultuous. It's an upheaval. It's a rabble-rouser. It's, it's not anything in the sense of, of orderly. See, and I've always, when you, when you get in the word coming before a king, but again, you didn't come into Nebuchadnezzar that way. That's a good way to die. Right? But as they came in, what wouldn't you do? You certainly wouldn't do a roll call. Where's Daniel? Right? Now, how do you get past doing that? Oh, king, live forever. That's a good way to start. And then you have this great plan and you unfold it for him. And you see, you can lie if there's flattery go with it because the flattery will ignite ego. And ego charges up pride. And at that point, you're never going to make a good decision. Ever. <laughs> Mark that down. It's not like five out of ten. It's zero out of a million. <laughs> you can't get it done. Because as soon as you take a flattering comment and you, and you pull that in, it ignites ego. And ego is the biggest enemy of us. Because when you've got a pumped up ego, oh, you become stupid. It's amazing, isn't it? Pride goes before the fall. Every time. No questions. So they have this great plan. Now, again, I want you to be very careful. Do you remember what Nebuchadnezzar said and did at the beginning of his empire? It was one of the things that he designed as being a great idea, to, to unify the kingdom, to bring some sense of semblance of, hey, Babylon is in charge and Nebuchadnezzar is in charge of Babylon. Remember that? He built a statue. Everybody's going to fall down and worship it. Everybody. We've got some of those today. We talked about a couple of them last week, actually. LGBTQ+. That's a statue. That's, that's something that everybody falls down to. You can't ever say anything against it because it's taboo. It would be the same. I see, very, I see those same statues in America today. They're named differently. They have different names at the bottom of it. We're expected to fall down and worship them. And what was, what was Nebuchadnezzar's key motive in having the statue and to fall down? Unison, unity, bringing a togetherness. You really can't necessarily blame Darius because this would be somewhat of the same sense of a concept as control. He needed control. Now, you watch all political leaders, and it's amazing what they will do for control. They will, they will sacrifice their own souls for control. They will sacrifice souls of others for control. 
They will do anything to get control. It's amazing. I see it, I see it at every level. Control makes you do stupid stuff. Now watch this unfold, though. He buys into it almost immediately. Now in this tumultuous entrance, they say this, they start out with a lie. All! That, the first word in already lying. What, what do you mean all? Daniel wasn't informed. He's not part of this. Verse 7, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, oh, we got another group, and the princes, the counselors, the captains, I don't know if they all got together or not, but they're saying essentially the whole leadership team have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. Look at that. It's double stated. A royal statute and a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of you, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. And Darius, this is his first, this is his first blush, right? You've got this 122 guys charging into the throne room and said, We've got a fantastic idea. I can't believe we didn't think of it earlier. But for 30 days, you're God. God for 30 days. That should scare the king. If you're really thinking, wouldn't that scare you? Paul, what if I told you you're going to be God for 30 days? You could get us in a lot of trouble, couldn't he? We would vote against it, right? Why would those people vote for Darius? Again, I'm using it as a title. Why would you vote for him for God for 30 days? Because you have an ulterior motive. You want to get rid of somebody. That's why. But Darius, of course, that sounded all good and well. Flattery, again, if you accept it, your ego grows, pride takes over, you make stupid decisions. King, don't you think it's a great idea? Oh, you know, now that you mention it. (laughs) Now that you mention it. Verse 8. Now, O king, establish the decree, sign the writing, that it need not change according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which alters not. One of the things that you know about the, the laws of the Medes and Persians is it's very hard to change. I mean, you find that all through Scripture, and all, even, even in history, uh, to, to, to change a Medes, and law, uh, a Medes and Persians law is really difficult. And that's one of the reasons they did that, so that you wouldn't have whimsical things, which that, again, should have been like a warning flag on the wall. Wait a minute, king. Let's think about this. What would be wrong with saying, hey, I'll tell you what, that's a great idea. Let me think about it. What would be wrong with that? Because pride usually wants to act immediately. Have you ever noticed that? It's amazing how guys will get into a fight without thinking about it very well. What's going to be the end result of this? Like questions we do, they don't ever ask. What's the point, right? Well, he's, ready, he's all ready for it. He signs it. Verse 8. Verse 9, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. I wonder what he's thinking right now. What do you think he's thinking? Oh, man, I'm going to be like God for a month. What could be better? What could be better? Verse 10, we move in from the promotion, from the plot, to perseverance. Now, verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. He changed his mind and did not pray the way he had always done. <laughs> you, you're laughing because that wouldn't even be the Daniel we know and love, right? That's what he's doing is makes him Daniel. But how about us? What would have we done? Well, 30 days. There's got to be a way we can work ourselves through this. You know, we can do it a different way. I mean, we don't have to publicly deny God here. I mean, it doesn't say I have to deny him. But you see, in Daniel's mind, to do anything differently than what he had been doing would have been a total sellout and based on self-interest. That's important. That's really important. So as soon as he knows that it's 
a law. <laughs> uh, now, again, would, would you describe Daniel as a lawbreaker? No, I can't find any of it. can't find any of it. He renders unto Caesar what is Caesar's, as Jesus said to his disciples and to other people that followed him. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Has he done that? You don't stay at that level by not doing that. How did he rise to that level? He did what was asked of him. But this isn't even a decision. This, this is remarkable to me in one sense. There's ways that you could connive and slip around and, you, you know, I mean, even our minds can work pretty quickly. There's ways we can accommodate and acquiesce our way through this. Let's not be stupid, right? It's not like it's God for a lifetime. It's just for a month. It's 30 days. And you know what? Those guys that set that plot up, they didn't make him God for a year. They made him God for a month because they knew Daniel wouldn't compromise. Isn't that cool? They knew how he would react. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. Would we be that convincing in how we follow Christ? That's exactly right. In fact, Ryan, to take that, I think they brought this to him in the morning. And Daniel, it was when they caught him at noon because he worked the rest of that day, which means by the, that's the way the Medes and Persians were, that the sentence had to be laid out, carried out before the setting of the sun. And that king tried all afternoon to figure out a loophole to get Daniel out of what what we'll we'll see the responsibility the king took. That's exactly right. They could have said, just God for a day. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't you do that? Why would you want Darius? But you know what? It probably wouldn't have sold that well either for just a day. What's the, why do we want to do a law for a day, right? But you're exactly right. right. One day, and he would have been right there. Well, let's keep reading. Let's watch this. Let's look at the perseverance. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Okay? What's that thing about Jerusalem, uh, towards Jerusalem? Well, let's first of all go to Psalm chapter 55. And it looks like it's a passion for him three times a day. Uh, Psalm chapter 55, and let's look at verse 17. 55, 17. He starts off in verse 16. This is Daniel. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He's actually pattering this right after, Dan, uh, after David. And then uh, turn back to 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. And let's look at something. This is a prayer, uh, a setting in which Solomon was overseeing the dedication of the temple. And God is laying out... Some things here. We're going to dive into this uh, in 1 Kings chapter 8. And we'll start in, uh, let's see. I can't remember what verse that was. I think it's 48. but Let's start in verse 46. We'll pick it up. We'll find it here somewhere. Watch carefully for the sense of... of now, now where, where is Daniel right now? It's in his room in his house, which is in a very far away place, right? Whether Is it in Babylon? I don't know. It could be. Here we go, verse 46. If they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not, that's a true statement, and thou be angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captives onto the land of the enemy far or near. That sounds like what Daniel's been up to. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land, whether they were carried captives, why, and repent, make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carried them captives, saying, We have sinned and have done perversely. We have committed wickedness. 
and so return unto thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies, which led them away captive, and pray unto thee toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name. Did you see it? If you pray towards the city, that's part of the regiment of repenting and coming clean before God. That's why he did it. He knew the scriptures. He knew exactly the scriptures. Now, one thing I hadn't pointed out to you is that right around this same time, the 70 years of being held captive by Babylon was fulfilled. It was done. And then under this empire, I think because of the result of Daniel being close to the king, they were released to begin going back. That part was fulfilled. And Daniel is again praying at this time for that to go well. The restoration of the people coming back into the land. That's why he's praying towards Jerusalem. That's why he's praying three times a day because he can trust the God. Now verse 11, going back to Daniel chapter 6. It said, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Now, just to show you the diabolicalness of these guys. Now, you know this much. They knew this. They hadn't included Daniel in any intel in surrounding this law. So what would be wrong with... Oh. Rap, rap, rap. Uh... Daniel, sorry to mess with your prayer time here, but just wanted to know, buddy, um, there's a law in action right now, just warning you, buddy, that if you don't pray to Darius only, you're going to get thrown into the den of lions. Just so you know, buddy. No. They don't care if he does know, because that's how law works, right? When's the last time you took a highway patrolman that pulls you over and said, say, sir, the speed limit is 35 going, oh, well, I had no idea. Well, I'm sorry, but just carry on. Next time you'll know. No, it doesn't work that way. You're responsible to know the law, aren't you? They're quick to go ahead and run him right off to judgment. We go from perseverance, him doing the same thing as he's always done. In fact, I'd, I'd like to... Have, have, most of you have probably heard of Polycarp. Heard of him? He was a... I would say a saint that was a, mentored by John the Apostle... And in AD, AD 155, it's thought, toward the end of his life, he was brought before actually a large coliseum because that was actually sport to watch Christians get tortured or burned to death. That's amazing, isn't it? I find, I find that, isn't that repulsive? So you, you think about where and what God is so long-suffering towards. It's crazy. Anyway, they bring this guy in by the name of Polycarp. And they say, if you, if you recant... Or deny Jesus as your Lord, you can leave. Again, you, you see what I'm saying? Well, I'll just, I'll kind of like cross my fingers. And... No, you know what he said? For 86 years I have served my Lord. And he has never let me down or disappointed me. Why would I do that now? And they burned him to death. Now, that's a story. Oh, I remember yeah, I asked you the story, and then I, I didn't ask. I didn't finish it. You guys answered to me the reason we like good stories like Daniel Lyonsden and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the furnace is the good guys win. But like Polycarp, I just told you that story, and it's not as much fun to tell. But is it any different ending? No. The, protect, the protection is literally ultimately the same because God is eternal, and we're totally in his presence if he takes us home. 
Now, the part we don't like is that short period of time, what they call death. That's the, the process. Thank you. That's the part we'd like to miss. But if God is able to give us life and to take us home, he'll help us through that as well. He will, especially if we're focused on it. Really, I mean, focused on him. That's what I meant to say. Don't focus on that because that makes it worse. But if you focus on him, it becomes irrelevant. That's really what Polycarp said. In fact, think of, uh, think of Paul. His head was severed from his body at a time that God said, I want to take you home. I want to protect you now from what's coming later. I, I, want, I want you to go home with me. How about Peter? He was crucified upside down. John the Baptist, he was beheaded. In fact, think of, think of this for a minute. This to me is, sometimes gives me encouragement knowing that other saints struggled. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we, we think of them so high, so cool, so amazing, and we just don't measure up. But literally, John the Baptist was in prison for being righteous. How did Daniel get to the lion's den? For being righteous. I want to I want I want to hear from you when you go to prison that you're there because you were righteous, right? Hey, they wouldn't let me go to church. They wouldn't let me read my Bible. They wouldn't let me have freedom of speech. They wouldn't let me defend my family. All of those, that's if they want to take me to prison for that, that's called persecution. For the right reason. Now I didn't say you need to sign up for it. But it's okay to be there. It's okay. Daniel did not shirk from that for one second. Now, it's amazing how prison looks a lot better to me than the den of lions. <laughs> you, you, you see, it's sort of like sort of like incrementally, right? And here's the other part. I, I've often used Abraham, but I thought of this today as well with Daniel. Abraham, it was later in his life when his son that God promised, Isaac, that he was asked to take him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to God. That's repulsive. As a dad, that's a tough deal, right? But Abraham had saw what God had done for the previous years of his life, watched how he and Sarah should never have had a son that he could ever have that he could call Isaac, and watched that one God brought into his life so he said, you know what, if I can trust God with that when I'm 100 years old and my wife was 90, think of that, 90 and you've got a newborn. Oh, that's crazy. But see, that's impossible. So why wouldn't God be able to protect or do whatever is necessary? Because the other thing is, is Abraham believed his promises. And God said, I will bless you and your descendants will be as the stars of the sky or as the, sand of the, the grains of sand of, by the sea. Through Isaac, that's correct. And so think of that. He, just like Daniel, said, I'm going to trust the consequences to you, God, because you cannot lie. That's what it says in Hebrews. In Titus, chapter 1, verse 1. God who cannot lie. Aren't you glad of that? Wouldn't, wouldn't you hate to follow a God? Well, I lied just a little bit. I'm sorry. You're done for. See ya. Bye. That would be horrible. I'm glad that the Bible says God cannot lie. But my point is this. Abraham, later in his life, passed that severe test. If he would have hit him, hit him with that one when he's like 50, he would have flunked. Daniel, I'm not sure about, would have he taken this test? In other words, that guy, Mel, was it Melzar? He was the, uh, the nutrition guy. 
in the kingdom in chapter 1? I think it was Melzar, wasn't it? Yeah, Arioch was the, was the executioner. Yeah, Mer, uh, Melzar. And he says, okay, now, this is really simple now, buddy. You've got to get this through your thick head. You are going to eat the king's food or you are going to get thrown into the den of lions. See, what's really cool about God is he never takes you where you're not ready to go. That's important. He lets trials build your faith. Now, I'm not going to say it's easy. That steadfastness, it's going to hurt. It's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a perseverance. But he knows when he can trust the situation for you to be able to make the right choice. Was it important that Daniel was 88 years old? Or I'm upper 80s? I don't know, but it fit perfectly. He didn't even, didn't even bat an eye. And God didn't take him home yet. See, I'm thinking, that tired old grizzled man called Daniel at 88? This, <laughs> in fact, I think Daniel's excited. Oh, I can finally go home. I believe it. That guy, hey, let's get it on. I'm in there for the right reason. I didn't do anybody any harm. I didn't do any wrong to the king. I'm here because I've done righteously. I'm going to go see God. See, he couldn't lose. That's when we view it that way. Life becomes really simple. It becomes joyful. It becomes full of peace. Because it's fear that takes peace away from us. And when we're at peace with God, then the peace of God becomes when we yield to him, when we give him our whole being, peace just floods over us. It's fear that takes it away. And faith is the key component. Where there's faith, there's no fear. Isn't that good how God just puts that together? It's really good. Where were we at? We were moving wrong rather slowly. Oh, we're going to go to the persecution. We've, uh, should we write these down? Do you guys, are you kind of sight people like I am? So we started with, let's, you guys tell me, what did we start with? We started with a promotion. All looks good for Daniel. Now, did you see he wasn't bragging or bloating about it, glowing about it, right? It's no big deal. I'm God's. God can take me where I want. Followed by a plot. And as soon as you have promotion, envy is quick to follow it. Number three, perseverance. How would Daniel react? This isn't an easy one, for sure, isn't it? It's, it's not hard. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is a difficult thing, particularly under difficult circumstances. You know, if everything is just the same, yeah, you just plot along day after day after day if it's all good. But when it's tough, when there's a den of lions to fall into, it's not nearly as much fun. Number four, did I give it to you? Oh, that's why you don't know it. All right, fair enough. Let's go to verse 12. Then they came near. Who's that? Them. That's those guys that assembled, found Daniel praying, making supplication. They immediately go back, spake before the king, asking the question, Hast thou not signed a decree, like this morning, that every man that should ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered, That is true, according to the laws of Medes and Persians, which cannot be altered. Way to go. Way to mention that out loud, king. That was great. Fantastic. And then they answered and said before the king, uh, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, that guy, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, and maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with the princes and the... No, did you see that? I like that. 
He was displeased with himself. I like that. Now, he didn't necessarily take full responsibility. Now, what he could have done would have said, oh, I cannot believe I did that. That's my pride. My ego got ahead of me. You know what? I'll just go to Lion's Den for Daniel. <laughs> That's not going to happen, right? I mean, there's a level of which, yeah, I'm disappointed in myself, but I'm not going to take his punishment, correct? But I still have to say, what could have he done? He could have blamed the setup, right? The plot makers. He, he was displeased with himself because he had lost. And by the way, they, they flattered him. They know how to get to a king. Tell him he's number one. He's cool. He's God. He's everything. In fact, Caesars did it. The Ptolemies did it. The Ptolemies did it. The Seleucids did it. Everybody, every leader was a god, literally. You know, that's a pretty small god. If you make a human a god, you know what? That's a really tough thing to be. How would you like to serve that god? Not very predictable. Well, it's very predictable, but not very good. How much could have, if Daniel all of a sudden was praying to Darius to keep him safe from the lions? How do you think that would have worked out? I want a lot bigger God than that, right? And Daniel had it. He's in a pickle. He's in a real pickle. He's mad at himself. Then the king, when he heard these words, he was sore displeased with himself, set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. You can see this is all in one day. Uh, <laughs> then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, oh, No, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Uh, just reminding you of that, buddy. Where was Daniel in this narrative right now? No denial? No defense? If, if they would have brought him in. Daniel, is it true that you were praying? Yes. Well, if you said yes, yes. Oh, and by the way, in case you were wondering, I will be praying as long as I'm here. I'm going to pray every day because you can't keep me from my God. That's what I do. Because the scriptures told me to do that. That's the way my... Father, my predecessor, my ancestor, David, said, he did, he, morning, noon, and night, on my knees, toward Jerusalem, because I'm a, I'm, I was taken captive in another country. No, I'm going to do that from here on. It doesn't matter what any king, any decree, any, anything says about anything, because that's who I am, period. Did you want me to say it again? See, that's what's cool. They didn't even ask him. They knew. He's not going to change. They didn't say, oh, Daniel, wait a minute. We don't want to lose you. Could you just, like, let's give you one more chance. Don't do that again. No, they know. Isn't that cool? That is so fantastic. Are we as Christians that dedicated and that diligent? And inside, I'm shaking my head no either. I don't think it would even take a den alliance. It's amazing how non-persevering I can be. What's the word for unpersevering? I don't know, but it's not coming to me right now. But excuse me? Weak. Weak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, weak. Wandering. It's so easy to be weak, isn't it? It is so easy to not be steadfast. We're going to talk about that. Don't let me forget. That's where we're going to end this, this session is on steadfastness. So somebody remind me of that. All right. We're going to go to the penalty phase. So penalty. Oh, no. Wait a minute. I missed one. You knew that. This would be what we would call prosecution. They enjoyed that. Prosecution. 
Does it look right from back there? I can't seem to... All right. Well, the prosecution went very well. Uh, there was no defense. <laughs> and the law of the Medes and Persians won. It's pure, this was like slam dunk prosecution wins. This, 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 how would you... Now, wait a minute. If you were a friend of Daniel's, let's say Misha... Or, if I start it wrong, I get it wrong. Shadrach, there we go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I can't get it started right, I can't ever get it, right? So those three buddies, they're probably somewhere. Oh, man, did you see what happened? Well, they might even not be alive, right? Because they're pretty old. Maybe they're not even there. But let's say his friends would. Oh, can you believe that setup? Unbelievable. Poor Daniel. Poor Daniel. He was set up. Let's go to the penalty phase, verse 16. Then the king commanded, they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. Just, that's rather... Pfft. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, watch this for a second now. Thy God, capital G, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. What? Where did he get that from? Daniel. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Daniel, that's, that's the other thing that's really cool. When we're Christians that are focused deeply and earnestly and steadfastly on Christ... You know what happens? Others' faith are built up. Not necessarily because of who we are, but because of whose God we are. Daniel was like that. I mean, we saw it and we, we studied last week about the Magi. He literally changed the entire world that was to the east of, of Jerusalem. That one man and what he did in society is absolutely stunning. One man. That's the other thing that out of all of this, if you're discouraged by what's going on in our nation today or our world. You just look at Daniel for a second. He didn't have communication. He didn't have Facebook. He didn't have YouTube. He didn't have all of these platforms, all of these communication devices that literally have a voice. He lived a humble, adequate, virtuous, character-driven, integrity-filled life. And every person that came in contact with him knew that he served a God that could be trusted. It's the same for us today. Now, I'm not saying not to use any communication device. You don't need them because God's in charge. God's in charge. Let's keep going. You're saying, boy, this time is flying. You're right. Let's keep moving. Penalty phase. Dropped him into the den of lions, and he says, well, your God will deliver you. A stone was brought as if, uh, really? I mean, is this not overkill? Who do you think? You think Daniel's going to jump out at 88 years old? Laid upon the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet. Who do you think was going to move the rock with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel? That's overkill. Then verse 18, it says, Then the king went to his palace. Whoa, stop! Can you imagine if this was a TV show? And you see them drop Daniel into the lion's den, and then you cut away to the king's palace and he can't sleep. No, I want to see what's going on in the den of lions. Meanwhile, back at the palace, I don't care about what's back at the palace. How is Daniel doing, right? What a way to end a program, right? Stay tuned next week. To be continued. Penalty phase. Fully engaged. Laid that stone. Now, just uh, again, what archaeologically has been unfolded is um, in that day and age, they would have had almost in a, a den, which was, you know, a den or a pit. Um, it would have been probably built into the side of a hill. 
And there would have been, as you, a stone would have been on the top where they would have put Daniel through. The, in fact, it says they lifted him out. Okay? And in the middle of this den, there probably was a movable wall, a gate that could be, in other words, you would have one side, you have the lions on, and then you would feed on the other side, let them out, and then do whatever cleaning or whatever else needed to be done on the other side. You would want two rooms. As you can imagine, how would you like to be the lion's keeper with just one room? I would say, no way, baby. So what they did is they would have just tossed him in, put a stone over it, the king goes home. Imagine it wasn't a good night. Verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Where is his ego right now? This was a huge learning curve for him, wasn't it? Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste under the den of lions. It wouldn't wouldn't be fun. This guy's probably in his early 60s. He is running to the den of lions. Now, that to me is interesting in itself. It looks like, according to the laws of Medes and Persians, in the morning you can let the guy out if he's living. Why would you run unless you thought there was a chance? That's a pretty big thing for that king to think there was a chance. Mark that. That's pretty good. He goes with haste to the lion's den. When he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice. I don't know what that sounds like. Oh, Daniel. I don't know. But, and the king spake and said to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. Where do you think he got that from, Daniel? Is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Now, I'm, I'm wondering, why would you ask the question if you didn't expect an answer? I think he knew. Somehow I think he knew. So far, have you noticed, we still haven't went into the den. Now here, verse 21, you talk about a peak and momentum because everybody's on there, oh, what happened to Daniel? What happened to Daniel? Oh, he's a man. He's in the bed. He's been in the lions for the whole night. What's going on? And then this, oh, king, live forever. <laughs> that is not how I would have start, started. Daniel being so nice, so polite. We would have to call that phase, wouldn't we? I'm a little bit ahead of myself. Protection. Now, again, we've said it several times already today that either way, he would have been protected. Now, Daniel says something here. He describes it. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. I think he also did something to the paws, too, right? That was a bad joke, but, I mean, it's not... A lion, I'm not going to go with just the mouth, people. I mean, he's got some nasty things that can just rip you to shreds, right? So Daniel, I'm sorry, uh, for as much as before him, innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. It's interesting. He mentions the fact that he was innocent. He totally put his life in God's hands, and now God has found me innocent. He believed in his God. Life or death, neither one would have been defeat. He couldn't lose either way. Neither do we. I think of that, an angel came. What would have that night been like? You know, little is said. I mean, do you think the angel was just keeping their mouth shut? No, I don't. I actually think the angel and Daniel had a great night just talking. I think Daniel was asking, what's it like? I can't wait to see God. 
I've served him for 80-some years. I can't wait to get, what's it like? Think of that. What a great night. <laughs> and then the king, well, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Lions weren't. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm innocent. And then with glee, the next verse. <laughs> the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. Now, that's important. You see the word accused. I have an underline in my Bible. Because it's not the total force of the 122. It would have been the group that would have went to Daniel's house. Came back and accused him. It wasn't the whole group. Mark that carefully. It was the ones that took the next step and literally put Daniel in harm's way. Those. Now, that goes to what we've called the punishment phase. This is the part I can't wait for in the United States of America right now. I am looking for punishment of evil. The judicial system is so messed up, I can't wait for God to deal with this stuff. Right? I can't wait. Because that's how, when righteousness is something that we're driven towards, something that we yearn for, it's automatic that we would desire for justice and truth to prevail and i'm hoping in 2021 there'll be a lot more of that i actually think there will be but that's something now that, think of that for a second this is a breakaway sometimes we get overwhelmed and even this last week i just think of what can i do and you see so much messed up stuff do you know what we can do just like daniel did we can pray for truth and for justice and for God to be glorified in everything that happens on this earth. It's not about leaders. It's not about countries. It's not about nations. It's not about anything other than God. And we can all do that. Aren't you glad that you got, the, you know, it wasn't like you were given gifts and some of you got to pray. Only half, let's say only half of us got to pray in this group. Wouldn't that be boring for us that couldn't? Oh, would be horrible. Do you know what? In the middle of the night when you're overwhelmed and you have that sensation of just I just say anxiety, whatever you call it. And you guys are shaking because there's 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 nights like that. I don't know what brings it on. A lot of times for me, it's two o'clock in the morning. I don't know what that's about. And the best thing for me is to just start praying for people that come to my mind. Boom. There's several. I, th these these are requests. I'm gonna. You don't know who they are, but I, there's there's some serious serious things going on, and some people that I'm mentoring and being part of their lives. God knows who they are. Please pray. It, it's it's very serious. I can't even get a hold of some of them. That's why I pray. And you know what? It starts to break down. But you know what? God is there every single minute. He's not gone for any second. He's there to wait and listen for us. That is amazing. There wasn't anything that God was not out of control with Daniel's life for anything in all of this episode. I don't see Daniel rising up and saying, Oh, where are you at, God? Where are you at? Right here. This is called the punishment phase. And it's actually because of the way the... Talk about having the laws of the Medes and Persians being a little bit difficult. The part they didn't count on was Daniel not being eaten. 
But in the Medes and Persians, not only were they guilty party, but their entire family was guilty. Which I find that, it's horrible, it's repulsive, it's very, but it's the laws of the Medes and Persians, Right? Many times. Haman, I'm thinking of that in Esther. You guys familiar with, the, with Esther and Haman? Haman hated the Jews at all levels, and it was amazing. His family was very conspiratorial with all of it. They cheered him on to build a gallows to kill Mordecai. In, in many cases, it is. I, again, I'm not taking a position, but that's just the way the law was. I want you guys to understand that. It isn't like this king stepped over, over the boundaries and said, okay, and anybody related to these people. No, that, that's just what it was. That's, that's how they did business. As cruel as that may be, that's what it was. Now, I want you to show you the old grandfatherly toothless lions reacting as they drop these people in to the den of lions. The king commanded, and they brought those men, which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and broke all their bones in pieces before they came to the bottom of the den. That's more than a couple lions. The punishment phase. And then we have, we have two left. Eight. Proclamation. This, I think, is probably proclamation. One of the most amazing. And again, you see Daniel working through this king. Let's look at verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages to dwell in all of the earth. This is why I think it's Cyrus. See, this, this is just too over the top to have just a, sort of a leader, right? This is, this is the whole enchilada. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Now this is something that is very, very significant. This is maybe one of the reasons I see that God was not finished with Daniel. Because if Daniel would have been taken home to the Lord God, Daniel would be, his corpse would be dead within the den of lions. The king would have come and said, Daniel, did he save you? No answer. I'm not sure how that plays out. God still, I'm not, again, I'm not saying God, I'm not second guessing anything that could have happened. But what did happen, because Daniel was alive, now we've got a worldwide decree that people are to worship and to honor and to admire and lift up glory to the God of Daniel. Now, look at that. I, I just, again, what one person following God, the power of that man's weakness turning into God's strength. This was nothing about Daniel, other than he was very focused and faithful to do what God asked him to do. It's the same with us today. One person following God is an enormous strength. Our weakness turned into strength. The best place for us to be is on our knees. Because when we're humble, when we're in humility, the stronger God becomes in our lives. The stronger we want to be, the weaker we make God's response. 
And it's amazing when the king now is humble before God. What an amazing turnaround. This is amazing to me. The entire earth is literally by decree under the Medes and Persians. They are to worship God of Daniel, the God of Daniel. Because Daniel, one man, stood firm and did what God asked him to do. Just imagine what would happen to our world if we stood firm and did exactly what God asked us to do and leaving the consequences to God. This is amazing. This is truly amazing. Now, I want to show you something that just happened to hit me. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, let me, I'll tell you what, just stop. Let's finish what we got going on here. The proclamation, I wrote that down. One of the things, let's take the chapter, 28 verses. Who got the glory? God. Did Daniel get any? He really didn't. No. He pointed to God every, 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 every position that someone could have said, oh, my goodness, what faith you had. They didn't say that, did they? They glorified God because he believed in him. Glory all went to God. Now, the last one, and this is, a, this is actually for you as a Christian. You've trusted Christ as Savior. You can't help but prosper. I don't care if you're here or in heaven. You can't help but prosper. Prosperity is yours. And I'm not saying the prosperity gospel of where you're supposed to be rich and wealthy and all of this stuff. on I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about here or there. Just We'll read it in a moment. Prosper. Let's look at the last verse. Daniel, who was in the lines then just a few minutes before, it says in verse 28, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, and I'm going to say even in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Prosperity. Now, where did I, did I, did I say where I wanted to take you? Oh, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look here for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go there. Hebrews 11. And let's look at, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, verse 34. And we could, this, I tell you what, um, your assignment is to read Hebrews chapter 11. This is the, the hall of faith, the chapter of faith. And I'm, I'm way late in it, but verse 34, we're just going to dive in here. Quenched, are you ready? Verse 34, Hebrews chapter 11. Quenched the violence of fire. These are talking about people. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Mark that. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now watch, it's like it's turned the corner. Others had trials of cruel mockings and scourging. Yes, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn. You know, that's what happened to Isaiah. Isaiah, who said that Daniel and Noah and Job were of kind of equals. See, Daniel was taken out of the lines then, but Isaiah was sawn in half. That's hard for me to capture. Was there any less faith in Isaiah? No. That's what we have to be careful to say. Because there are those that say, if you would have had more faith, you would have been okay. No, 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 no. A thousand times no. That's what a chapter 11 about Hebrews. Let's keep reading chapter 11 of Hebrews. Let's keep going. This, I hadn't thought about it, but let's keep going. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword, they were wandering around in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, this is speaking of the entire chapter, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, that is, of Jesus the Messiah. 
God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Whether they were delivered or not delivered in the sense of physical life, they all have the same reward because God figured it out. Hebrews chapter 11. Amazing stuff. Now, let's go back to Daniel chapter 1. Start to shut down here. Daniel chapter 1. There are two things that stick out to me about this man, Daniel. And we've looked at him very late in his life. In fact, the remainder of the book of Daniel, we'll be talking about visions that actually will be have happened earlier in his life that are very prophetic. You'll have to bring your prophetic caps next week. There's a lot of interesting things that we need to talk about. But Daniel chapter 1, there's two things in particular that to me show what this young man turns into an old man, how it set it up. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. This man, he's about 14 or 15 years of age here. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. He made a choice. He made a choice not to defile himself. Then turn to the last verse in chapter 1. And no one, you just don't think about this, but it's exactly what Daniel did. The last verse. And Daniel continued. You know what we're supposed to do as Christians? Continue. Just keep going. One step in front of the other one. Just keep going. Don't ever give up. Don't ever let up. Don't just keep getting up. You fall down, get up. Just keep going. Just keep steadfast. Oh, that was, you were supposed to remind me, weren't you? Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. But we're not quite ready for that. I want to look at some things about Daniel if, because he purposed and because he continued. We've talked about one of them. He was outside of his times and his issues. He sought the kingdom of God at all times. I want you to be thinking now with me. Let's describe Daniel for a moment. What did his life look like? Now, you've seen him from 14. He purposed and he continued. You've watched him in a lion's den. Let's just write some things down that we could say, this is Daniel. This is what we can say about Daniel. Excuse me? He was at peace. And why was that? That's right. Because? Because he believed him. Because he believed God and was faithful. I'm going to, one thing I want to write down here is, can, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to go with that. He was at peace. Even today, the den of lions, it didn't, it doesn't, you don't see, you just don't, well, I guess, it's totally in God's hands. I mean, I'm here. But th- this was important to Daniel. This was absolutely critical. I'm here for the right reason. If Daniel would have had skeletons in his closet, if he would have been guilty of a Daniel gate, if there was collusion, no, he was there for the right reason. He was there because he was righteous. He was at peace. What else? One that I'm thinking of. He chose, you mentioned 14 or 15, he, right from the start, he chose to make the right decision before everything. So he didn't, he didn't have to require to go back and he made a choice right from the start to do what was right. Yeah, and then, let, let, let's follow it through. So making the right choice, what made that choice even more important? He was consistent. Consistent. Because sometimes it's easy for us to make a choice and we've all done that. I'm, I'm not here pointing fingers. I'm, it's back at me. How many times have I made a choice that's the right choice and then I haven't been consistent? It's easy, isn't it? Why? Because there's all these other stuff 
That's, and I've said this, this, this is a, lead, a leading thing for, for Daniel. I hope you guys aren't going to mind. I'm gonna, Daniel was above his times, human issues, and all of the stuff going around in his society in that day and age in six, or 538 B.C. didn't matter to him. He was above it. He was looking to God. That is, that is huge in how you consistently stay with a choice is get above, I'm going to just say the world. Because the attraction and the pull and all of that magnetism that the earth and this, I'm saying the world system pulls, sucks us back in. He was never, nothing of that, I can't see any of that attracting him because he was above it. Consistent. Okay, what else? Oh, man, wasn't he? We're going to watch later in the book. I, I don't want to give you too much away, but I want to tell you what, there's a lot of spiritual warfare that takes place when we pray. He waited for an answer for a long time. We, I, I don't want to spoil that, but he was a man of prayer. Can, I mean, again, the consistency. This is really a big deal, consistency. Pray. He was a man of prayer. What else? himself up at all. I mean, he was he was humble. He praised the God. He praised the God of there were, there, yeah. There was, there was two things. I, I want to. This actually ties in nicely. He was not only humble, but remember what? Why the king, the Darius, the, I think it's Cyrus. Why he wanted to exalt him to the overall guy that he was going to make over everybody. He had an excellent spirit. In, in, in for us, that means. He's got a great attitude. I struggle with that personally. When things aren't going right, and it just seems like everything in the world, you know what I mean? You, you watch the news, and oh my goodness, really? Come on, people, right? And, and it kind of eats away. But you know what? I'm going to clean the chair when I'm done today. But <laughs> well, when you get above it, I don't, and I never, this is not in my notes, but it seems really relevant. It's a great analogy, isn't it? You get above it, and it doesn't matter, Right? Humility. I forgot what I was going to do. Oh, great attitude. I'm going to just put it that way. Great attitude. How many of you have a great attitude? Depends on the day, right? <laughs> Depends the part of the day. You guys are all smiling with me. I like it. What else? I think this one's really key. And this sometimes can play into this. It did never, never seem to, you know why you always had a great attitude. I should have started with something before that. Let's say, for instance, that you, just, just slip into his, into his boots for a moment. And you had worked with these people, these 122. And all of a sudden it becomes known to you that they sold you out. They're trying to get you killed. They're trying to take you out. How do you respond? How did he respond? There was never any bitterness. There was never any vengefulness, regardless of the toxicity. That's a major, major deal. And again, I'm not going to stand on the chair anymore. Why? Because he was above it. 
And so often, and, and that's, a, that's a term that is in the last couple of years has become maybe I've used it more, is a toxic tongue, a toxic relationship, toxic in the sense of it poisons the things that you're involved with. And this would be very easy to do that. But if you're down there in the trenches, the toxicity is much easier for it to grab you than if you're above it. He was always above it. He was always above it. Toxicity never affected. I can't find where it did. With Nebuchadnezzar, he, where he said, King made it all as we wish this was not for you. Exactly right. And think of that. Nebuchadnezzar is the one that took him away from his homeland at 14 years of age. He made that decision. He ripped him away from his family. And yet, he saw God in it. Joseph's another one of those. He sold into slavery the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites sell him to Potiphar. He, he's falsely accused. He ends up in jail. And Joseph still says to his brothers after the fact, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. <laughs> right? Isn't that fantastic? That's well, I want to just get up one more time, but get up but because because I I'm convinced that's the difference. How do you look at it, right? How am I going to say that? Um, immune from toxicity. I wish I was that way, <laughs> right? Because that, because this isn't this interesting. When you're in a toxic situation, if somebody lies about you, somebody blames you, some whatever you know, there could be hundreds of things. Do you know what happens to your excellent spirit? <laughs> it goes right out the window, right? So here it is. How do we handle that? It's God's to handle. That's what I see at all times. Daniel always turned his human weakness into God's strength. I got so much written down. Let's just look at a couple others because uh, one of the things you have to say, part of even the excellent spirit, he was known for integrity. This guy was the same in the dark or in the light. He was a man of integrity. Let's see. I'm going to have to just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I love about him is these things are true, and when those are true in us, guess what happens to others? They are built up in faith. They are built up in perseverance. They are built up in all of those things that made Daniel, Daniel, because it becomes catchy in a good way. <laughs> Excuse me? Correct. Correct. That, that's a choice that that person will have to make because that, that's a true statement. You know, think, think of those 122 that were surrounded by this man of integrity. One of the things that sometimes does happen when a guy or a gal is righteous to the point of really matching the Savior, and I care, it's not totally, but you understand what I'm saying. They're, they're, they're really led and guided to be like the Savior. The evil, the satanic part of the world will really, t I don't have it here, but the perseverance becomes real. It becomes real. Those people, yes. But if you've got others that are striving, even the king, look at the impact that he had on this king, which he hadn't been around very many years. Very few, I'm convinced. That's amazing to me. But they were receptive to the good qualities that he had. 
It's the same today, folks. It's the same today. I'm not saying that they get saved by osmosis. That's not what I'm saying. Everyone has their own responsibility, own accountability to make a personal decision for Jesus Christ. But a lot of times the way they get there is because the modeling of the things that Daniel did resonates to their spirit. I've got like half. I'm not going to do it, though. You guys look. And we've actually got a short communion service. There's, but, you know, you, you're reminding me right now, right? Paul said steadfastness. steadfastness. Thank you. Brought it on just the right time. Let's go to, uh, i got two verses we want to look at. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a verse for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And then we're going to uh, look at one other one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to read two verses, verse 57 and 58. 57 and 58. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, wait a minute. What do you, what, what, what's absolutely what you have to do when you see a therefore? Find out what it's there for. Okay? So... Why would that be therefore? Paul wants to make sure that what he's going to say next is based upon what had happened before. That's why I read verse 57. The whole chapter 15 is about what? If I, if I was going to ask you, tell me what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is about, you would say, I don't know. Okay, but if we did know, we would say it's about the, re- the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then literally, it ends with that, Ryan, the perseverance because of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. If he hadn't, I've wasted an hour. You've wasted a couple of, you right? No, because Jesus Christ gave us the victory, the victory is what? Through his resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection. Because of that, Paul says, therefore. Now watch what the therefore. Because Jesus rose from the dead, verse 58, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That is your Daniel verse from 1 Corinthians. And we do it, why? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That, to me, is the most significant issue we could possibly think about. You got a problem? Anybody got a problem? Boy, you guys are bashful. A couple of you stretched out there and then... And Lois, I like that. It was both hands in the air. I like that's getting after it. Let's go to let's go. Let's see if this doesn't take our problems and put them in a proper perspective. Let's go to Psalm chapter forty-six. This is a, this is a in the middle of the night. This is a passage I go to. I just read it. Psalm chapter forty-six, verses one and two. And we're also going to look at verse ten, but verses one and two of Psalm forty-six says this: God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Isn't that good to know? You got trouble? He's right there. Therefore, because of that, I mean, I told you, therefore, find out what it's there for. Because of that, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And for me, I don't know, this is just this analogy that I just see. Mount Baldy to me is a fixture in the tobacco root mountains. It just really is. Literally, that, that verse is saying, if Mount Baldy was leveled and I could see to Harrison... That would be mind-altering. Doesn't matter. 
because God is our refuge and He is our strength, regardless of what happens. There isn't many problems that are bigger than that. There isn't any. There's none. Praise God. Praise God. And you know what? If you happen to be thrown into a den of lions this week, give me a call, and I'll be there for you and with you. (laughs) But we know this much. God would be right there with us. We're either going to go home, or we're going to stay here for a little longer. Now, that's why I say the reason that Daniel come out of the lion's den, think of the absolute response that happened from Darius worldwide a decree that God would be worshipped amongst all peoples because one man believed that God could take care of anything that would happen. And it's the same for you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Daniel. Thank you for the trust, the faith that literally you gave him because he chose and purposed in his heart not to defile himself as a young teenager. And Father, he, we, we know nothing. We have nothing on record of what he did wrong. And we know that he was still sinful. We know that he was not perfect. But sometimes he looks like he's perfect to us. We feel intimidated. We feel overwhelmed by a man of that much integrity, that much character, that much strength. And Father, yet, you're the God that we can trust as well. Even when we fail to measure up, you're right there, helping us to return, picking us up, wanting to be in fellowship with us, regaining anything that might have been lost along the way so that we can continue to be conformed to the image of your Son. Thank you, Father, for Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that you're faithful. Continue to keep working on us, keep shaping us, Keep making us what you want us to be, even until the day of redemption. You've never given up. You've never stopped working on us. But may we yield to you, your word, and the spirit. Thank you for what you're going to accomplish in our lives this week. Our journeys, Father, where they'll take us, whether it's to a den of lions, whether it's to a palace, wherever it might be. May we affirmatively and affectionately cling to you as our God. Thank you, Christ. Thank you, Father, for Christ and all that he's done, all that he's accomplished. Thank you for his resurrection, for it's in that sense, in that state of mind, we can solidly move steadfast, be immovable, for there literally is no labor in vain when it's trusting in you. Thank you in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen.